0: Think over this question with us today on Abounding Grace. Do you believe the very first verse in the Bible?
1: Because the decision of how, whether you believe Genesis 1-1, dictates how you approach the rest of the Bible. And there's only two options. You either believe it or you don't. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe it or not? Because the Bible says... Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Do you believe it?
0: This is amazing grace. you're with us as we present Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in a study of Genesis right now and today we enter chapter 2. God has just finished his creation and he's content. What does he do next? Well, he rested. We'll be talking about the perfect rest and perfect garden over the next two broadcasts. So if you're ready, let's dive right in. Here's Pastor Ed.
1: Genesis chapter 2, The title of our Bible study today is The Perfect Rest and the Perfect Garden. And it's good to be reminded today as a church family that it's important for us to be committed to God's Word. It's important for us to be committed to the reading and the study of God's Word, to being filled with His words and His desires and His purposes so that we might follow through what the Bible tells us to do to set our minds on spiritual things and not on things of the earth, so that our study through Genesis is doing just that, as we're coming back to the very beginnings. Genesis is a book of roots, our roots. And we happen to be in a season as a church where we're not only looking at our roots from the perspective of God in Genesis. But we're also studying our roots as a church family from the perspective of the book of Acts. And I just love how God has brought us together so that we can grow, reminding, being reminded of where we've come from so that we know where God wants us to go. The book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. And when we know our beginnings, it gives us purpose and substance to our lives. Genesis is a book of theology, teaching us important truths about the nature and character of God. And if you're taking notes, I want to remind you how to approach the Bible. This may be new for some of you, and it may be review for others, but it's good to know how to approach the Bible as we understand its power upon our lives. It's transformative. When you're reading the Scriptures, it transforms you. It transforms your mind. It transforms your thinking. And when your mind is changed and your thinking is changed, your behavior is changed. And the Bible requires three things. Number one, it requires our full attention, our full attention. Our mind should be open and awake and focused without distractions to the best of our ability. Secondly, the Bible requires our retention. Our mind should be put into a place where we read it, we memorize it, which has been a lost art among the church. I mean, just consider your own life. The last time you memorized a scripture or a portion of scripture where you've addressed an issue, you received the word through a Bible study or you received the word if you were being counseled by a pastor or being given direction by a friend and there was just a verse that spoke to you. I mean, take that and hide it in your heart so that you won't sin against him so it'll be a continual help to you. We wanna be able to recall things. We wanna learn how to take notes in Bible study. You can do that on your iPad, you can do it on a piece of paper, you, however it's going to help you to remember, but we don't want to waste our time. As we're sitting and presenting ourselves to the Word of God, we want to take it in so that we can remember it later. Even writing in your Bibles, you know, it's okay to write in your Bibles. Every time, you know, I've come back to the Bible I've used for all these years, and every time I open it, I mean, there are literally years and years and years of notes right here in my Bible. As I'm sitting down, as I'm studying, as I'm listening to Pastor Chuck or my Pastor Jeff or Pastor Skip or whoever I'm listening to, just jotting notes down. And sometimes putting little dates down that God gave me a word or a promise. Attention, retention. Thirdly, it requires our intention. Intention. What I mean by that? As we read this, we need to live it. And that requires an intentionality about your life. We're not just learning for the sake of learning or learning so we can spout off some answer or win Bible trivia. We're in the Word of God because it's going to change our lives. And we have a commitment to live it, a commitment to allow it to transform us. And then we follow through in action. We often will refer to that as obedience. I like to remember obedience. When you think of obedience, at the same time, I want you to, re- I want you to think of the word cooperation, When you think of obedience, because sometimes that can be a heavy word. You must do what you're told to do. Uh, That is true. But when we choose to do what we're told to do, we're actually cooperating with the will of God in our lives. So, you know, if you don't like the word obedience, use the word cooperate. When you cooperate, you you submit yourself to the direction and the will of God. You obey. You do what you need to do. And so our time in God's Word should be daily, right? We should read our Bible and pray every day. It's literally food, just like you eat every day, physical food. We want to eat every day, spiritual food. It's food for your soul. Secondly, our time in God's word should be diligent. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that to be diligent to present yourself a worker that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent about it. Show yourself approved. And our time in God's word should be direct. What do I mean by that? You know, before you grab a commentary or before you listen to a Bible study from some pastor or teacher, you need to be directly in God's Word. You need to test everything that's said by a pastor from God's Word, but how will you know where to test it if you're not in the Word yourself? And then finally, our time in God's Word should also be delightful. There should be a delight about hearing God's Word. And I don't want you to to be discouraged when you're reading the Bible and you're like, well, I didn't get much out of it. I didn't get much out of it. Well, you got a lot out of it. You just haven't experienced it yet. Because God's word will not return to you void. So you're taking it in, you're taking it in. And I I love how Jesus described it. He described it like a seed, like a sower. And you're sowing seed. And so as you're taking the word of God, you're sowing the seed of God's word into your life. And you don't know exactly when it's going to grow. You don't know exactly how it's going to grow. But I'll tell you this, you know it's going to grow. God is going to do a work through the word of God in your life. And, and that 's a choice that we make right here at the beginning. This, this isn't important, so why the emphasis on God 's word? Because you have to make a choice. Everyone listening to me right now, here in the room, downstairs, if you 're listening on the radio or online, watching online, you have to make this choice. Most of you have already made it, but some of you haven 't. and it 's a choice that we kind of overlook and maybe don 't pay attention to, but I want to remind you, because it 's from a previous study, here 's the choice. Do you believe the very first verse in the Bible? Because the decision of how, whether you believe Genesis 1 1 dictates how you approach the rest of the Bible. And there's only two options you either believe it or you don't. And you can come back to me with me if you'd like to Genesis 1 1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe it or not? Because the Bible says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Do you believe it? Now, I know there might be some listening that don't believe it. Instead of in the beginning God, they live their lives in the beginning man. And it may not be them, it may be some other man, some theory, some false religion. But ultimately, if, if it's in the beginning God, then that's the course of your life. If it's the in, in the beginning man, then you're going to go off into areas, creating God in your own image, little g, and your whole life is going to be a mess. Because there's no direction and no substance, no certainty. And I think when you come to Genesis 1-1, The real acid test is what did Jesus say and what did Jesus believe? Because Jesus referenced in Matthew chapter 19, why don't you turn over, we'll get back into chapter 2, but notice with me in Matthew chapter 19, as Jesus is teaching, Jesus is giving us insight on marriage and divorce, and notice what he says. In chapter 19, Matthew says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee, and he came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, verse 3, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And listen to his answer. He says, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. The very foundation of marriage is rooted where? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created Jesus believed in a literal creation of God. Why? Because he is God. And he is creator. So we turn to Jesus and say, okay, with all of the debates and all the people arguing about it, and you may not even feel super equipped on how to talk in these, all these arguments and debates, just make it simple. What did Jesus believe? Because you trust Jesus? Yes, everybody trust Jesus, and so you can trust his teaching. Even when you don't have the kind of knowledge that you need to win an argument or win the debate at the office and some guy found something on YouTube that all confused you, just set it aside, come back to your word and let Jesus teach you fresh and new. It's okay to be that simple because it'll give you the kind of clarity and it'll give you the kind of confidence that we need in a world that's upside down and confusing. So now, When we start this new chapter, chapter one and two, wouldn't you know it, there's more debate between these two chapters. And there's confusion that's been created over the years. When coming to chapter one and chapter two of Genesis, there are many people that cry, contradiction, contradiction. Or have even created a a teaching that says, chapter one is a description of creation number one, and chapter two is somehow a creation number two by God. But that's not what this is at all. Chapter 1 takes us through the days of creation individually. Chapter 2 gives us insight on some specifics of creation. So chapter 1 lays it out individually. But chapter 2 gives us some specifics with special emphasis on day 6. And the creation of man. Okay, with all that in mind, verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth, and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So God finished everything. And four times it's emphasized that God has completed his work. It's almost as if God stands back, And with a a quick glance at all that he's done, he has a contented eye over his finished creation. His work of creation is finished. And you know, the words, it is finished, rang out at the end of creation, just as they ring out once more at the end of redemption. There's something to be said about God's finished work. It's important in the beginning as God starts and ends, and there's, there's purpose and goal of God that he accomplished. And it's also super important in the new covenant. When you think, when you hear the words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished, that puts you at a place of dependence upon him, and you now don't have, you don't have a relationship with God that's performance-based because God has finished it on the cross, He has finished it. So as we learn in previous studies, and even on our weekends, we we have a responsibility. What is that? Abide. Rest. Trust. And as the branch is into the vine, and all that God has intended takes place very naturally, there's great fruit. And what is God's will for your life? That you bear what? Much fruit. Not a little bit, but much And that he would do the work through you. God is still at work today. He's not an absent creator, but very active in the affairs of man. Drawing many to his son, Jesus Christ. Ever interceding on our behalf. Bringing up ever-present help in time of need. Always mindful of us. And then he says in verse 2, On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And I challenge you to look in just verses 2 and 3, how many times the name of God or God is referenced. And you'll see there's quite a few, because this is the central focus. It's easy to see the emphasis on this day of rest, or what's commonly known as God's Sabbath, that he blessed and sanctified the seventh day. It was his Sabbath, his Sabbath. That's important to understand in the very beginning. Because again, all of the confusion and all the confusing teachings on the Sabbath start far beyond where they need to start. They need to start behind the teachings of man. So what did God intend? How did it all start out? What is it exactly, and what was God's intention? Notice it says in verse 3 that God blessed the seventh day, and you might want to mark this word. He sanctified it. It's a very important word, sanctify. It it means literally, if you like to write in your Bible, circle the word, is sanctified, and it means to be set apart. It means to be set apart. To put, you could also say, it means to be put in a special place for a special use, or a more fancy word, it's consecrated, consecrated, set apart. It's got a special place and a special purpose. Now, before we look at the day, let's just step back for a second and consider you. Do you consider yourself sanctified toward God? Have you ever considered that in your life? Sanctified. So you may not use the word sanctified. Perhaps you, have you ever considered yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you've been bought with the price by the blood of Jesus Christ, and because of that, you are now set apart for a specific purpose for God. You, You haven't been saved. I haven't been saved for myself. I've been saved and set apart and sanctified for a special purpose for God. For some, it's a very dramatic change. Where you went from one part, one life, you were born again, you're a new creation in Christ, and it's a dramatic new creation in Christ. But no matter if it's dramatic or not, it is a definite change in your life. Again, hold your places in Genesis. Let's go back all the way to the back of the New Testament in 2 Timothy. I want to show you something in chapter 2 and verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 20. This is a great Passage of explanation when it comes to this thought of sanctified, when it comes to you and me. So, notice what he says. He uses the illustration of a house, Paul does. He says, In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for honor and some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified, there's the word in the Greek now, sanctified and useful for the master, right? You're sanctified in what? Useful for the master. See, your will, your agenda, your desire for life must be sanctified, set apart, so that you are useful for the master. Prepared, what? For every good work. And then he gives some direction. How how can you participate with this sanctification process, with this this set-apart life? Well, run away from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart and avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Sanctified, set apart. Now, don't be confused with the work of sanctification, that we learned many, many years ago when we were studying through the book of Romans where the work of God as he's fashioning and molding you and creating you and changing you into the image of Christ, that, that is a form, that's a theological work of God in your life, sanctification. But when you back off that word and you understand there's also a posture and position that you have to be set apart for the master's use. I just want you to take that in. You know, God is sanctifying things and right now we see sanctifying a day. But God just doesn't sanctify days because you're more important than a day. He sanctifies you. And there is a plan and a purpose uniquely for your life. And it's for being useful in the master's hands. That's his desire. How do you do that? you got to run away from youthful lusts. You've got to die to yourself. you got to pursue the fruit of the Spirit, looking for that place, peace, joy, love, the things that make for peace. And he said, you know, do it with other people like you are right now. Gather together with the saints, people that call upon. You you get encouraged when you're hanging out with people that call upon the name of the Lord. And if people that call upon the name of the Lord aren't encouraging you, rebuke them. says, I didn't come to church to talk about football. I didn't come to church to talk about, you know, the economy. I came to church to talk about the Lord. And if you're not going to talk about the Lord, next, next, next. Because believe me, you want to talk about all those things within just a half hour, they're all going to be in your face again. You're all going to have to live them. You know, already we're thinking about, man, you're watching online because you didn't come because why? You got to get up early in the morning for what? Go to work. It's all going to be there. But when you're with the saints, there needs to be a sense of, we're here for the master. Let's talk about the things of the Lord. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's grow together. Let's check in on someone's life. Let's make sure you're doing okay. Let's look in the eye and even just pray for discernment. And it's like somebody's carrying something heavy on their eyes or their shoulders are slumped. We are sanctified for the master's use, church. Don't forget that. And you're not cooperating with being useful for the master. It's a miserable experience, whether you realize it or not. You're not living up to what God has done. The blood of Jesus Christ has changed you.
0: This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And if you missed any portion of today's Bible study, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. Listen and learn when it's most convenient, at the gym, in the car, or as you're getting ready in the morning. Just go to AboundingGraceRadio.com to learn more about that. You can also get our app. It's available on all platforms. This is another way to hear our program. Search for Ed Taylor in your favorite app store. Each month, we'd like to suggest a book that will encourage you in the Lord. And this month, it's Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. What does God look for in a leader? Well, this wonderful book will lead you to the answer. With over a million copies now sold, it stands as a proven classic for developing leadership. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your support that we're able to present this radio program on stations all across the nation. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with the ordering details. Or go to our online store at Co. Pastor Ed, you're going to touch on this tomorrow. Here in the creation account, God created for six days, and then on the seventh day, He rested. Do you think there's a model here for us when it comes to work and rest? I think that's one of the most important models, Larry, uh, this work and
1: rest, Uh, especially emphasizing rest in a culture, you know, especially in our culture today, they're always thinking efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And basically what the corporate world means by efficiency is more work, less rest, less money. That's pretty much, I mean, sometimes they give you more money, but they want more out of you. Uh, they want more, more, more beyond what you're really capable of doing. And I, we get caught up in this where we want to be efficient. We want. We even call it faithfulness sometimes, but we need to rest. We need to rest. And that's just a word from the Lord for someone. You need to rest. Take that vacation time. Take the weekend off, put the phone away, uh, don't be on social media. rest, rest, rest. it's I don't think I develop it in the Bible study itself, Larry, but this is the whole essence of fasting, getting away like Jesus did many times to be alone with the Father, denying our flesh by not eating, just drinking water, and seeking the Lord. but yes, it's a model. Um, can't wait to the Bible study. you guys will be encouraged. I hope Genesis is blessing you. We're only five studies into it, but I'm telling you, there's 63 studies, by the way, I think is what we ended, maybe 64, I don't remember, uh, in Genesis. Your life's going to be transformed. There's nothing like the Word of God. Go into this new year, transform life. God, pray every time you hear this broadcast, change my life, Lord, change my life, Lord, change my life by the power of your Holy Spirit and the sufficiency of your Word, and email me and tell me what
0: God's doing. I want to hear about it. God bless you guys. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. We'll return to the Old Testament next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace.